Hello and welcome to today's PropCast. I'm Andrew Teacher, founder of Blackstock Consulting. Now today is the second of our special MMC episodes where we're bringing together the main players in Britain's fast-growing modular housing industry, manufacturing homes in factories, much like we do with cars and planes. Yesterday we heard from Rosie Tugard at Legal and General Modular Homes. He used to make aircraft engines at Rolls-Royce. And today we're going to be speaking to Dave Sheridan, who's the executive chairman at Ilka Homes. Later this week, we'll hear from Lang O'Rourke, Homes England, Project Utopia and Top Hat. And we're also going to be joined every day by the government's MMC champion, Mark Farmer, who's responsible for promoting efforts to modernise the construction sector. Now, Dave Sheridan helped launch Ilka Homes in 2017, and he's been executive chairman since February last year. Dave's got over 40 years experience in the industry, and it's fair to say he's seen off more than his fair share of downturns over that tenure. Uh, But in our conversation that we recorded a little bit earlier on, he talked in detail about how Ilka Homes has spent recent weeks upgrading its factory with millions of pounds spent on automation and digitization, all aimed at increasing capacity and making its Yorkshire-based factory even more efficient. I started by asking Dave how the current situation compared to previous economic dips and why he believes it's important we keep focus on investing and innovating across the construction sector. It's quite strange in that it's unlike anything else that I've worked through. So in, in, in sort of early 90s, which was my first real exposure. You know, you, you could see unemployment and you could see an economic backdrop where you could feel things slowing down and there was a, a feeling that you were entering into a recession. And then in 2007-8, when the sort of global financial crash happened, you could relate to other activities and, and, and sort of factor in that the money was in short supply. This sort of came along like a bolt from the blue. Um, I think companies are more resilient. You know, cash. It wasn't a financial issue. It was. It was a pandemic issue, which has just caused. You know, people don't know how to react, and it's been interesting to watch how how the industries. You know, some construction sites are open. Some main housing development sites all shut. And there was. You know, it, it was all a little bit just out of the blue to be for, for honest Andy it was just it was just quite a strange it, it's not like, like anything I've seen and you've been semi-operational haven't you Dave at, at the current factory you've been installing modules on, on different sites and getting yourself ready to respond quickly in full force once some sort of normality uh, comes back what what does what does that look like for, for you guys right now well, the underlying business metrics were strong. Um, we were building a healthy pipeline, and you know we had units ready in, in inventory, ready to go to site. And we believed that we could work safely and in, in accordance with the guidelines which have been issued by the Construction Council and the HSE. So, so we decided we we would like to keep moving, um, just to keep the business in good health. Um, and also what we've done is we've used the time to refine some of our processes and improve the site. So when we do sort of restart in earnest, which we believe will be mid to late May, subject to all indicators which are coming through, um, we believe we'll be in good shape. Uh, we've used the time to talk to our clients. We're using the time to do some online training for the staff so they come back more prepared. Uh, and we believe it's given us a chance to pause and, and, and review the business. And so we've, we've tried to be as positive as we can uh, dur- during the time that the operations have slowed. 
and, and policymakers have been really supportive, haven't they? So obviously Homes England, who who took a major investment into Ilka Homes last December, uh, they've obviously been big supporters of MMC over the last few years. What would you like to see from policymakers going forward? Not not just for MMC, but but for the wider housing market. Well, well clearly, um, we, we, I believe, and we've had conversations with Homes England during this period. We've also had conversations with MMC HLG, um, and and they're very keen that you know the underlying economy is still strong, and they see this as a, as a blip rather than a, a, a something that's smart long term so what they've been keen to do is encourage us to look at how we can uh, ramp back up that's the phrase they've used it's looking how we can get things moving quickly uh, we've had some discussions with some of the developers who i believe are going to do a phased restart around completing homes where buyers have already secured deposits or put reservations down we've also spoken with various clients about where mmc can really support this by because we, we can build a home much faster than traditional, you know, we, we can get things moving. So the cash flow and, and the, the homes that the, the country needs and their businesses need can be ready much more much more quickly and, and, and more readily available. So what we need from the policymakers is to work alongside us with, with some planning so we don't get stuck in the old mire that planning can bring. We need Homes England to be proactive in bringing forward land and designating some land around some NMC products. So we can see an acceleration. And we need clients such as RPs and the rental products to, to step up and, and, and be readily available to take the product if Homes England identify the site. So the one concern I think that's, that's underlying a, a number of the, the developers is around the availability of mortgages and buyer confidence. So I think the policymakers need to work hard with the banks and the mortgage lenders to make sure that they're very supportive of the buyers during this period. And I think the developers and ourselves need to work with potential buyers to ensure that they're confident that the economy is going to recover. So I think we've all got a part to play in that. And as a business, you've you know you've shifted and you've evolved the business over the last couple of years, and you're now offering turnkey solutions for developers, aren't you? And that that works quite well with with housing associations, doesn't it, Dave? Absolutely. I mean, if, if we've got the skill set within the team now to identify land, uh, take red line sites from housing associations, work with developers on some of the land that they aren't, you know, aren't, aren't moving as quickly as possibly people would like. We can then package sites up, we can do the appraisals, we can use the ILCA product to give a viable solution, and we can do it in, in a pace that, that actually brings homes forward, which I think will give great confidence um, in, in the in the short term, as we as we come out of this pandemic situation or the COVID nineteen situation, depending on how you want to refer it to, but you know Il- Ilka definitely saw that a, a route to accelerating delivery was by bringing a strong land team in that can work with with partners, both RPs and developers and private rental companies to accelerate delivery, and we've got the skill set and the expertise to do that. And fundamentally, I guess from a from a client perspective, there's obviously a, a, a very strong level of finance behind the business. Your investors have, have invested extra money. You've got the support of government and Homes England. So, are there any concerns that you think housing associations need to have 
around using MMC, you know, whether it's around quality, whether it's around the the, the, the capitalization of, of different businesses. Uh, and how would you allay any of those concerns? I mean, what we've got to do is, is work with, with, with the housing associations and other partners to, to, to bring them through the story and the journey. Um, if they come and see the, the, the Flaxby site, they'll see the levels of investment, they'll see the, the size of the workforce, and they'll see the quality quality of the establishment that we've we've invested in, and, and also the you know the, the further investments which are ongoing, which which are there for people to see. You know, TDR who backed the business, uh, a, a multi-million fund in euros, and have been around a long time and, and understand the business because they've invested in Keepmode. Um, so they understand the development market and they understand the RP market so they can get confidence from the legacy business that we brought through. And also, when they see the quality of the product, um, if you take the new guidelines for 2025 around carbon, our product is nearly there now. And, and with a few tweaks, we can have a zero carbon product. It'll take traditional developers you know, thousands of months to develop their new product. So we're ahead of the game and can really support our clients in a quality of product, which which will give them you know fuel fuel economies for their residents, but also a, a lot less maintenance for their product going forward. So we believe we're, we're a strong part of the solution, and they only have to see what we do, see the quality of the product, and see the the size of the establishment that we've got, plus meet the investors. That's what they need to do to get confidence in, in what we've got as a business. And, and you mentioned the Homes England investment. Um, you know that was done through due diligence. So they they've seen the business plan and they've seen the quality of the pipeline and they've seen the, the the quality of the people that support this business. So we're really confident we're in good shape. And there's a lot of collaboration now taking place, isn't there, between different MMC providers? And it, you know, I, I guess some some have questioned um, commentary that that refers to. Ilka and LNG and, and Barclay and, and Vision as, as rivals and you know how, how would you respond to that because you know it strikes me that the market's actually quite big there's there's lots of space for everybody and right now we need to be clubbing together to, to innovate uh, and to invest uh, and particularly at this point in time where there's an opportunity isn't it for the the off-site manufacturing community to, to help drive this really quick response to to the current crisis. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, you mentioned five or six names there, all of us which have different products, all of which have different price points in the market. Some some focus on apartments, some focus on general needs housing, um, you know, others focus on more design-led, such as Urban Splash. So th- there's a number of companies, and, and, and we're all working together because we need to develop the supply chain because we're, we're quite new and we're quite embryonic. So we need the supply chain to work with us. And as one voice, you know, around insulation products, around sort of cladding systems, which, which go on the outside of the homes, to build that confidence supply chain for them to invest, uh, as one voice, we can be stronger. In, in terms of sort of authorities and planning, if government can see that we're, we're working together in a collaborative way, which doesn't, you know, cut across any competition laws or cut across any, any sort of procurement laws, then, then you know, it... it being stronger together, you know, we don't want to see anybody fail because that that just, you know, puts more pressure on the MMC or the the volumetric market as a whole. So we, we want to be strong together. And as you say, there's enough work there for everybody. If you think, you know, the, the country needs potential up to 100,000 more homes and it's not going to come from traditional methods, you know, there's enough work to go around for, for all the businesses. And, you know, if, if we can collaborate in a non-competitive way, then, then it, it 
it's like other industries, you know, the aerospace industry shared, shares technology, the car industry shares technology, and, it, and it's more cost effective for us to bring, bring that technology through by working together. In terms of, um, I mean, in terms of that, that innovation play, that, that has been an area that, that's been lacking in construction over the years. Where do you think we need to get to in terms of skills, in terms of, of, of upskilling the workforce and, and just making sure that we're, we're well prepared for, for some level of sustainable growth here? I mean, I, I started this industry in 1979, and if you go on a fix home uh, on any de- traditional development sites, you know, if you put a blindfold on, I mean, you took the blindfold off, it looks very, very similar to the customs and practices. So where the industry needs to get to is, you know, we're not attracting as many young people in the industry as we used to. Um, some of the traditional trades aren't seen as an attractive sort of career of choice for a number of people. And if we're going to keep development in the homes that we need, we do need to modernise and we do need to, to reinvent ourselves. So we need engineering skills. So what we build is, is a light-gauge steel product. So that needs totally different skill set to, to, to traditional construction sites. We need designers who understand um, technology. So we've become much more a digital-led factory around design and, and, and bringing product through that can be engineered solutions rather than built solutions that become much more robust fit together much more um, strongly and, and, and precisely. And, and then we give a, a, a real sort of boost to the engineering and, and, and industry. Um, it, it just needs a different mindset that, you know, I'm, I'm working in a warm, dry factory. It's different to get up at five o'clock in the morning, drive to a building site that may be, you know, raining and, and blowy in a gale and, you know, untidy and, and unsafe and you know it, it's a much safer environment with, with a much cleaner environment and much more attractive for people to work in so we need to create engineering jobs we need to create technology jobs and we need to create environments and attractive attractive for industry for people to want to work in all very good points i mean in terms of supply chains there's been one of the things that's come out of this crisis has been the need to make supply chains more resilient for all of the obvious reasons. How how do you think the, the MMC end of, of the housing sector can help with that? Because I guess at the minute, many of these businesses are still sourcing materials in the same places. Is there an opportunity to, to modernize and, 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 uh, and make supply chains um, more efficient you know, by using materials from, from close to home, by, by thinking about how technology plays a role in, in, in creating more efficiency. What, what yeah, are some we, of the things that you think we could look at? We need to change the narrative with supply chain. I think, you know, having come through the ranks in a traditional builder stroke developer world, it was, and I, I was acquainted with this, it was all about, you know, lowest price and a race to the bottom on price. And that sort of creative behaviours where supply chain it sees it as a very transactional sort of treat when, when you're working with a builder or, or a developer. So, you know, you want the lowest cost bricks or you want the lowest cost trusses. That's different for us in manufacturing. We need the supply chain to come along with us and develop the products so we can become more efficient. So in the case of plasterboard, um, you know, we take wagon loads of plasterboard to our site rather than a building site, which maybe takes part loads every day of the week. So we need to work with our supply chain on logistics. They need to understand our business model. We need to understand their business model more. So we can work together to develop products which become 
one, much more efficient. Two, it becomes better business for them because they're delivering bulk and volume to our to our site rather than to multiple sites. They can then work with us on 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 improving technology, and and you know we're looking at different applying of products such as plaster finishes as against dry lining finishes, and and we need the supply chain to work with us on on what's happening across the globe, and 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 we just need to learn more from the supply chain as other industries do, rather than just treat them as a a commodity which we can bash the price down on and 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 work in a in a transactional basis. We need a much more strategic relationship, and they need to work with us because if you think that the, the merchant type base that we current you know builders traditionally use, we'll be taken direct from manufacturing. So it changes the dialogue completely around the supply chain in in the in the manufacturing world, as against the construction world. So if we get this right, there's there's absolutely a massive opportunity to to spur on manufacturing, and that, that's a very strong, very strong message for policymakers. I mean, finally, Dave, in terms of planning and in terms of driving up demand for MMC, um, what are some of the things that you think policymakers could be doing there? Because it, it sounds like certainly from Ilka's perspective, from companies like LNG Modular Homes and Vision and, and Urban Splash and, and, and Top Hat and others, Project Utopia and, and many of the other players that are emerging in this space, that there's a lot of capacity ready to go, but, but we just need to start driving up a bit more demand, which the public sector should be able to do. So what, if, if there's one thing to leave us with, what, what should the public sector government be doing to drive demand and, and to speed up planning? I believe that procurement's a real blockage. Uh, there's no direct route for the MMC companies to, because we're all new companies and relatively fresh, when Homes England procured DPP3, which is the government-led land which a lot of procurement goes through, we're all excluded unless we find a partner to work with, and then it becomes a transactional relationship rather than one of these strategic relationships that we need. And I also believe that the planners need to look at how how they view MNC uh, because it's new and then they're asking a lot of questions that they do as traditional builders yet we're supplying a product that's more efficient and and and, and more firm, firmly performs at a high standard so between planning and procurement are the two areas of focus that, that I, would, I would look at if I was a policy maker. So thank you Dave I'm going to bring in Mark Farmer who's the CEO for Cast and the UK government's MMC champion for home building. Thanks for joining us, Mark. Um, what were some of your thoughts then on on Dave Sheridan's conversation just now? What what some of the important things you think he he brought to the fore? Yeah, thanks, Andy. So, so Dave's been in the industry, as he said, a long time, and um, I think that experience brings to bear some uh, some relevant viewpoints in terms of how this downturn and this structural shock is a very different one to perhaps other economic cycles we've seen and it's probably one that's slightly unfortunate in some respects in terms of where the MMC sector uh, was gearing up to be uh, in terms of the potential for the future which now the sector has to recover from um, and to sort of effectively fight back against in, in relation to um, making sure that it could keep on track. I think you know Dave's observations were were spot on in terms of the need for government to take a role here. Um, so there's clearly a desire, as you'd expect from government, to want to ramp back up um, economic growth and certainly construction and housing sector growth as soon as possible. Um, and that's probably where the trick is in terms of using MMC as one of those change agents for how we're going to do that 
sooner rather than later. And and, and Dave picked up three things in particular that, 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 that I heard, which are really salient. One is to make sure that our planning system is working, um, even with lockdown and, you know, the move towards technology-enabled um, virtual planning committees and the like, we need to have a functioning planning system to progress a pipeline of work. Uh, he also mentioned the role of Homes England in supporting uh, the MMC sector. Homes England have shown themselves to be um, pretty proactive in terms of wanting to push MMC, and that has to continue. If anything, it probably needs to ramp up. And the last item that, that, that they mentioned in terms of where government needs to play a role is to make make sure that developers in demand uh, remains constant so there's a lot of concern at the moment about potentially a, a fall away in consumer confidence um, and government have got to play a role in terms of making sure developers feel confident enough to be committing to future construction and that they can have an exit whether that's for rent or for sale or intermediate tenure uh, at the end of their development so if, if all of those three things can be addressed then I think the MMC market stands in a good place to benefit and to be one of the ways in which government will uh, achieve a better outcome um, i mean in terms of the homes england element of of, of that summary it's a great summary so thank you um dave talked a little bit about making homes england or encouraging to be a bit more proactive in bringing forward land and designating some of that land for factory built homes for modular homes for mmc whatever you want to say what does that what does that look like in in reality you know, how can we, what needs to happen? Does that mean that we have a presumption in favour of development if a certain portion of a scheme is to be manufactured in a factory? What, what, what are some of the actual levers that can be flipped? Because otherwise we're just talking about mood music, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. I think, it, you know, it's fair to say that we need tangible outcomes here and, and Homes England only have certain tools in, in the armory, as it were, in terms of things they can do. So unlike the other government... They can set up their own police force, though, apparently. This is something I, I heard. Correct me. I, we'll have to check if this is correct, but I'm pretty sure that within the, the original uh, uh, docks, when, when the HCA was set up, it has the power... Uh, to set up its own police force. Well, that's a new one to me, Andy, but I'll, I'll take your <laughs> word for that one. Um, but yeah, just in terms of, of you know what government can do through Homes England, because Homes England effectively are um, an avenue for implementing housing policy for the government. Um, government do not build um, houses and, and homes in the same way that they build schools and hospitals and prisons. So th there needs to be a slightly different approach. And some of the key routes to doing that is firstly land disposal. So Homes England administer a, a big part of the public land disposal program um, in relation to um, influencing who gets to build on public sector sites. Um, and Homes England have already shown that they are prepared to weight criteria in terms of developer selection towards innovation, productivity and the use of MMC. I think that has to continue. If anything, it has to ramp up. So actually they're promoting better growth. I think in all of this and the recovery and the whole crisis that we're in now, Homes England have a big, big choice to make as to whether they just promote growth 
at all costs and we get more of the same or we get something better in terms of housing quality um, and outcomes and you know that that in itself is a selective use of MMC good MMC because not all of it necessarily produces the right outcomes but certainly procurement and Dave mentioned procurement as being a blocker uh, there is definitely a role for making sure procurement becomes more balanced more outcome focused rather than highest land bid or lowest bill cost it's got to be about promoting the right outcome Outcomes and, and and if you've got good quality of MC platforms, um, that has to be an important part. As does the ability of Homes England to influence the recipients of grant funding. So housing associations and the like are a potential large potential target audience for um, uh, for the MMC market, and Homes England have a role to play there too. And that could deal with with your you know your challenge about creating that constant demand, couldn't it? Because ultimately we've seen haven't we in the last few weeks that we've gone from a massive nationwide homelessness problem to that problem being solved albeit by the uh, the, you know, the massive kicker that's been had to the uh, to the hospitality sector but the fact is is that we've solved the homeless problem in a few weeks by getting everybody off the streets so could we now look at a mass home building program supported by the government that could be done in factories uh, powering up those factories that, that could deal with, with all sorts of, of issues that, that basically just gone ignored for, for many decades. Yeah, I think that's the opportunity, Andy. I, I think it's it's certainly to, to have another look and, and perhaps in an environment where the politics of this country is probably changed, maybe changed forever in terms of the the nature of this crisis and how it's, it's really exposed um, societal inequality, economic inequality. And uh, I think you're going to see a desire from both sides, certainly um, politically, to close that gap. And that creates opportunities around around housing development programs. And I, I can sense, even though from a conservative perspective, there's been a focus on home ownership, and I, I don't expect that to change dramatically. I think there will be more of an inclusive approach in terms of bringing in, as you've said, you know, the, the homelessness agenda. I think there's definitely going to be a real focus on key worker, critical worker housing, particularly in the light of the role of the NHS in helping us in this crisis. I think government will want to respect and pay back to an extent um, uh, that that part of our workforce and the housing needs that they have. And if you line that to building a more resilient housing sector, which is not up and down like a fiddler's elbow in relation to um, open market sale um, cycles, then it, it leads you towards a much more balanced distribution of tenure um, across different types of housing, ranging from social real social housing through to key worker and, and essential worker into build to rent into later living a whole raft of different products that, that can be more resilient and and demand smoothed which then starts to work for the likes of the mmc sector and, and i mean the nhs is a very good point how does then the nhs given that it, its ownership is quite fractured in terms of land ownership how does that need to function alongside homes england alongside central government because if we're thinking purely in terms of assets that the government owns, there's a absolute uh, huge, huge, loud, huge, huge pile of, of NHS land that that could, with the right, uh, I mean, the, the right tick boxes, that we could be building on that by October, couldn't we? Yeah, absolutely, and I and I think um, you know there's there's a continued role here that that, that ultimately sits with government 
as an entity, but in reality sits across different departments, whether it's um, in, with the Homes England function, whether it's the NHS Estates function, whether it's Cabinet Office and Treasury, whether it's MHCLG, the need to centralise and aggregate land disposal across the government estate is probably never been as important as it is now. So there needs to be joined up thinking. There needs to be coordination of effort in terms of understanding what those land assets are. There needs to be probably also a different view taken on funding in terms of you know the the inextricable links between funding housing and funding our health budget in this country because the two are linked whatever you, you you like to think they are absolutely joined at the hip so there needs to be a much more flexible a flexible approach as to how we're going to bring forward programs of home building activity that ultimately enable us to reduce our healthcare bill as well well, that was the government's MMC champion, Mark Farmer. And earlier on, you heard from Dave Sheridan, who's the executive chairman at Ilka Homes. Now, thank you for listening to today's propcast. There's going to be several more in the series this week, and we'll hear from Lang O'Rourke from Homes England, Project Utopia, Top Hat, and we'll have some more analysis from Mark Farmer as well. If you'd like to subscribe to our podcast, please search Propcast, uh, and you can listen on any of your chosen formats. Please rate us. Please share it with some of your friends. And if you've got a subject you'd like us to cover, please just get in touch by uh, by email or by Twitter or by carrier pigeon if you fancy. Um, I'm Andrew Teacher, founder of Black Sock Consulting. Thank you for listening. And please do stay tuned to Resi for all the latest information on this year's event. Thank you for listening.